Good morning. Ooh, ooh. My voice is stronger than I thought it was. Well, good to be here. My name is Dwayne. And if there were any kids in here, they would probably tap mom or dad on the shoulder and say, isn't that the guy who opens the door on Sunday morning? What is he doing up front? Well, the way it works around here, if you volunteer for a certain period of time, your next step is you get to speak. <laughs> we'll be having sign-ups for volunteers after today's service, so we'd love to have you sign up. And after six months of serving, you get to speak. <laughs> Not really. Well, it's good to be here, both those who are in person and those who are online. Um, I'm not tired, but sometimes when I sit, it helps me to focus a little bit better. So I'm going to sit just for a while till I get dialed in on what I'm doing. I don't do this uh, main gig very often where I'm speaking from the front. So it's a little bit of a learning curve every time I do it. I'm just getting used to the environment. I teach on a regular basis in smaller classrooms, and I've kind of got that gig down, that drill. Uh, and the Lord told me on the way here not to ignore, like, the online world. Um, I can get really locked and loaded with y'all. In fact, the way I like to teach, and I'm more of a teacher than a preacher, just to kind of give you a sense about my style. Um, it does better if I just look at Jackie and I think about I'm talking to Jackie rather than thinking to an abstract audience. My brain just works better that way. So, Jackie, if I look at you, I'm... I'm not because your hair is not just right or there's something out of place, but that just kind of helps me to focus. If I look at Peter and I think about Peter for a moment. So, Biggest Loser, um, I have to admit, when that show was doing its thing, I loved it. Anybody else liked, uh, willing to admit they liked The Biggest Loser? Uh, I think there's something about someone who has a big challenge and goes after it that tap something in my wiring. I don't know what it is, but I'm, I'm like, I'm rooting for them. I'm cheering for them. I realize how hard it must be, and yet they figure out how to go from here to here, so to speak, in terms of losing weight. But the reason I think that either Sean or Pastor Tim or somebody came up with this analogy for us to use for the next few weeks not because losing is such a big deal, but gaining is a big deal, right? And so in the minds and the hearts of those who went through this program, they thought, I'm missing something in life. There's something I don't have, I really want it, and I need to figure out how to lose something so I can get something that's better. And so I entitled this message, Losing to Win, because the real idea, I think, is we want to win in life. And it's not so much about focusing on the thing we lose, although that has to be in our purview. We've got to figure out what that thing is. In the movie, it's obvious the main thing they need to lose is pounds, correct? But inside their head, they're playing a head game, and they have to figure out with inside their head what is the obstacle to losing something so that they can win. Am I with, are you with me so far? Don't be afraid to say, that's right, Dwayne. Jackie, say that. Thank you. Ah, I'm not alone. In fact, when I teach, I love just to have questions. Questions help me so much. So at one point, maybe in this deal, we'll figure out how to have time for that. So uh, here's a bit of trivia now, just for reality check, okay? 
like I love the stories, I loved everything else. The average weight before filming The Biggest Loser was 328 pounds. The average weight after 30 weeks on The Biggest Loser was 199 pounds. Big difference, right? I mean, they lost a lot. And then you hear the stories about, oh, I've got my life back. I can do this. I've got my, this relationship back. My health was terrible. And you hear all the things they won, yes? And it's like, oh, I'm so happy for you. You know, you get teary-eyed and everything else. Is everybody sitting down? The average weight six years after the final on-camera weigh-in was 290 pounds, which means, on average, they went and gained another 100 pounds back. This means that on average, the participants regained 90% of the weight they had lost. Now, I'm gonna play with this whole analogy as we look at a huge, huge text in the scripture. And it's not huge in the sense that it's long, it's huge in the sense that the concept is so big, okay? And uh, so just a little bit of context you know how they, how do you eat an elephant? One bite at a time. We're going to look at an elephant text. It's, it's, it's profound, but we're going to figure out how to do that one bite at a time. When I'm teaching and mentoring other people, I use this analogy of getting 1% better. Eating the elephant one bite at a time. And if we have some kind of actionable that says, I'm going to take the next step, I'm gonna fill out the whatever to be on the show, right? You, you can imagine these participants, it's like something clicked in their brain and they said, I'm gonna be on that show and I'm gonna do it or online thing and see if they accept me. Whatever that first step is in eating the elephant, that first step is important. It's not the whole enchilada. Ooh, enchilada, that would be good right now. <laughs> Speaking of food. And then the second thing is we're just going to, within, I think, Jesus' teaching, we're going to start at the very beginning because it's a very good place to start. When you read, you start with, and when you sing, you begin with, yeah, you guys liked that movie too, didn't you? All right, so let me pray, and then we'll read, and I'm going to watch the time really carefully, 10.03, we're doing good, I'll end on time. Let's pray. Father, thank you. Uh, the challenges of The Biggest Loser, um, no pun intended, were big. These were big people with big challenges. And yet, I like the show because all of their coaches, the whole show figured out, how do we look at your diet and go from here to there that's doable that you can change your diet? How do we begin your exercise routine? How do we begin all these things and all the coaches help people get from here to there? Lord, I think that's, that's our journey in this realm we call faith, in the spiritual realm. It's like, how do we figure out how to go from here to there, where we are right now? What, what are those things we need to lose? What's that one thing we need to lose today and we need to get 1% better? We need to make an action step today, today. W would you help us within our minds that we can eat this elephant one step at a time, that we can get 1% better today? Lord, that's our prayer in Jesus' name, amen. 
All right, for those who have their BIBLEs or just want to look on the screen, who's my screen guy? My, who's, who's my slide guy? Who is that? Jeff? Yeah. Oh, dude, man, they brought out the big guns. Give it up for Jeff. <laughs> Sheesh. Man, this, this system works all kinds of ways. You open the door for a while and they let you preach. And then your youth pastor for a while, and then they let you do slides. <laughs> it took a while. Jeff, Jeff, bless your heart. All right. Here's, here's the elephant text. And we're going to start at the beginning because I think Jesus knows that if we can figure this elephant text out, this is not, this is not PhD. He, he didn't save this topic for the PhD course. He starts right in elementary school with this elephant text. You guys got me? Leo, you got me, dude? I know you do. You've been around me for a while. Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you, any of you wants to be my follower, you must, and this is from the message, by the way, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Ouch. My whole life is about my own way. I like my own way. The people on The Biggest Loser, they like their own way until their own way, uh, basically, it pulled them under, right? Correct? You, you guys with me? Someone told me this week, it's like, dude, you talk really slow. I do. I've always talked slow. The older I get, I talk even slower, but... Uh, for the most part, I make up what I'm going to say in the moment, and I'm trying to make sure I say the best words to help you, okay? So I'm not being, like, slow like I'm mentally slow. I am a little bit mentally slow, too. <laughs> if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way, take up your cross. Ouch, ouch. Imagine 2,000 years ago if you heard that line. the most horrible thing you could imagine. It's like, ah, you know, I can imagine the PR uh, people for Jesus saying, ah, that's not the way to start, start off. You're getting off on the wrong foot. Cross is not a good word, dude. And follow me. For whoever wants to save their life, whoever wants to win in life, whoever wants to be successful in life, must lose it. But whoever loses their life. Whoever is the biggest loser will find it. To find life, you have to lose something. What good will it be? Uh, in my early days of studying the Bible, I remember this verse just stood out to me. What good will it be for someone to gain the whole world? Now, to be honest, in our dreams... We think about gaining more and more and more and more. Oh, if I just had, right? We may not be like uh, Hitler-esque who thinks I want to conquer the whole world or Napoleon-esque. We don't think that grandiose, but we think big, don't we? What good would it be for someone to gain the whole world and forfeit their soul? Or what can anyone give in exchange for their soul? All right, I need to hurry. Big ideas. Think about this for a moment. What if Jesus is right? What if this is true? 
that we've got to give up our own way. We've got to lose something of our own life before we really find the life that is truly life. What if that's true? What if he really expects you and me to do what he's saying? What would you actually lose? By the end of our time together, I hope that something comes in your brain. Something stirs within your heart. And this is just not like, oh, I checked the box. I went to church today. Yeah? And number four, what would you hope to find? I think these are all good questions. So what if? What if this is just not something that's abstract, some religious, debatable way? Often we think of, like, my theological view, and I'm going to argue with you about my theological view. And if you say something, it's like our whole conversation is about information, and we're going to debate it. I'll never really think about what I'm going to do about it. I'll just debate it. What, what if this is not something abstract, but it's actionable? What if he's right? Recently, I, I taught a class on faith, the top, topic of faith, and we looked at Hebrews chapter 11, and I was just noting these uh, all-stars, these superstars of faith. What was it that stood out? in their lives. And there, there's some words, and I'll just look at four characters in Hebrews chapter 11. But the Bible tells us that Abel, he did something, he offered. It's actionable. God asked him to do something, and he acted, he offered. Enoch walked. Noah built. Now, Noah's a great example because it took a long time, and it was a big boat, and I'm sure it was day after day about 1% more complete, to use my analogy of 1% better. He just stayed at it year after year after year. But the Hebrew writer looks back at Noah and says, that is a man of great faith. He had to lose his agenda. He had to agree with God's agenda and say, I'm in, when everybody else was like, <laughs> did you see that guy building that? What is he doing? And he's preaching every day, like, right? Abraham left. Faith requires action. I read once that Faith could be spelled R-I-S-K. It's risk. It's trust. What if God really expects me to do something? Now, one of the problems I think that we face is that often God's ask when we read it in the Bible, and sometimes when we hear God's voice, his ask seems too big. It's like, oh, no, not that, Lord. <laughs> you got to be kidding me. Not that. You don't want me to do that. And we discount it thinking, no, this can't be God's voice. This, this might be the devil. <laughs> that's an easy way out, isn't it? Oh, that's not the Lord's voice. i got to ignore this one. That's coming from the other guy. Well, let's look at this idea about the bigness, how big God's ask is. 
One of the things I like to do when I just think about my conversation with God is just to remind myself that he is good. He is good, and even though his ask seems big, I can trust that when he asks me something, it is good. Another thing I do is remind myself about my relationship with my kids and some of the ask that I give them and how they perceive my ask. Sometimes I think, oh, that's too big, that's too hard, I don't want to do that, I've got my own agenda planned. But we know as parents, don't we, that generally when we're asking our kids to do something, we have their best interest at heart. Yes, yes, yes. And so Jesus uses this analogy to say, hey, chill pill for a moment here. You think that my ask is too hard. You think that my ask is too big. You don't quite understand it, and you don't want to do it. The issue is really you don't know how good I am. You don't know how trustworthy I am. And if you could figure that thing out in your head, this thing would be a lot easier. Probably similar to the, the show The Biggest Loser, in their mind, that style of living, that habit of living, that amount of food they're eating, the type of food they're eating, in their mind, it all seems okay. There's something in their brain that has to switch, right, where they realize, wow, wow, if I could think differently about food, if I could think differently about activity, if I could think differently about X, Y, Z, things would be a lot different. If we can think differently about the character of God, I can trust him. In the same way that when I'm trying to talk with my kids, if they would just trust me, Jesus says, oh, a couple other examples, how Jesus just kind of had big asks. And it's early in Matthew. Matthew chapter 6, verse 15 should be on the screen. If you don't forgive, my Father in heaven won't forgive you. It's like, hello. Wow, you don't mess around, do you, Jesus? <laughs> like forgiveness is tough. Why are you linking it with God's forgiveness of me, saying that if I don't forgive, it's like, whoa, chill pill. If you're angry with someone, it's the same as murder. It's like, Jesus, come on. Like, really? See, he's got these big statements. They're just kind of out there. What do we do with those? Oh, I, I've got that verse memorized, Wayne. Check it off my list. <laughs> as if memorizing scripture was the end or awareness of the scripture is the end. Yeah? When we start thinking about that elephant of forgiveness, that elephant of anger, what are we going to do to get 1% better? What are we going to have to lose to be more forgiving? What are we going to have to lose to be better at not getting angry? Let's see if I have time for this. All right. I'm going I'm to make this nice and concise. I, I want to use a story from the scriptures from the life of Peter to give you some encouragement that God understands our 1% better and maybe don't be so hard on yourself. Okay? This is where, where we're going here. So in the book of Acts, you remember in Acts chapter 2 that Peter is the spokesperson as the Holy Spirit falls on everyone 
And he's the one who's kind of either rises to the occasion, as Peter often did, yes, that was just part of his nature to be the first to speak. Are you still with me, Jackie? All right, thank you. Let me take a drink. Leo, you still with me? Peter rises to the occasion in Acts chapter 2. Now, in his sermon, he is going to make a statement about what God just did in pouring out the Holy Spirit on everyone that's very prophetic, that God is basically going to incarnate. He's going to live within everyone, Jew and non-Jew, okay? And he gives this prophecy in his message. Now, you would think, okay, Peter's got it. He got the prophecy. God spoke to him. He said it with his own mouth when he quotes from the prophet Joel that God would pour out his spirit on all flesh. He said it. He's got it, right? No. We fast forward, and I'm not going to look at the dates now, but let's say about seven or eight years, Acts chapter 10, and he has a dream. He has a vision. And different animals are lowered. Most of you know this story. Are lowered in that sheet. Teresa's shaking her head. She knows this story. Thank you, Teresa. I see one over there. I see one over there. And God says, uh, Peter, I don't think you got the message seven years ago. I've got some Gentiles coming to your house in a few moments. If I don't give you this little vision, you're not going to remember what you said seven years ago because you've not gotten enough percentage better in understanding my will. Okay? So he gives them the vision. He goes. He does it all. He does just fine. He has short he doesn't have short-term memory loss. <laughs> the vision. Hey, there's three, folk, three men here to see you. Oh, I think that corresponds to the vision I just had. Peter's that sharp, right? We fast forward, I think, maybe about 13 more years. And we get to Galatians chapter 2, which is just before Acts chapter 15, when they have the Jer Jerusalem conference. And Paul writes in Galatians chapter 2, now we're like maybe 17 years after Pentecost, okay? And Paul said, <laughs> I had to confront Paul to his face and tell him that he was in, did I say that right, Peter? I, Paul, had to confront Peter, correct me if I say something wrong, Jackie, you're laughing. <laughs> I, Paul, had to confront Peter Oh my goodness, that's the first pope. That's funny. You can laugh. The first pope, Peter. No, because you're like, yeah. <laughs> okay, it's not so funny. I had to confront the first pope until he was wrong, and the popes are never wrong. That's funny too. So anyhow, he does it, right? And then Peter gets corrected because he's not been treating the Gentiles appropriately. He's been discriminating against the Gentiles 17 years after. And God keeps working with him, working with him. We get to Acts chapter 15, and then finally we hear from Peter's lips, and we don't really have any more story to know how he's doing. But he declares to everyone, listen, this is the way it is. God loves everyone. He loves the Gentiles. The Holy Spirit is for the Gentiles. We don't need to burden them with all of the Jewish rules. Okay? 
Peter is getting 1% better, maybe. So I chose someone like that of his stature to say, if an apostle, if an apostle over a period of 15 years has such a central tenet of the Christian faith that God needs to be patient with him and he needs to keep getting better, and he does, how terrible if Peter never got that in his psyche and he continued to discriminate against the Gentiles. How... Right? How bad that would have been. Now, what about us? What about you? What is it that you need to lose? What is your next step? In the beginning, I mentioned from Hebrews chapter 11, Abel offered, Enoch walked, Noah built, Abraham left. So I ran across this video. In fact, when I first thought of this idea of losing our lives, I thought of an old story um, from Jim Elliott. How many of you know the story of the missionary Jim Elliott? Okay, this was an old story that was really popular. Jim Elliott was a missionary to the Alka Indians. Alka Indians. In the process of taking the gospel to these Indians, a group that he knew to be savage and dangerous, he died. He was martyred, he and some of his companions. Spoiler alert. A particular ministry went back and looked at some of the writings in his journal. Now, he's a young man. He died in his 20s, was martyred in his 20s. A young man who took seriously this big elephant statement of Jesus that if you want to save your life, you need to lose it. And he was willing to lose his life in taking the message and making Jesus known. Now, I was a little bit reluctant to share this video because it's so out there. I mean, it's like, dude, chill pill. So keep that in mind. But there's a statement that Jim Elliott makes. He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. Isn't that a great paraphrase of what Jesus was saying? He is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain what he cannot lose. It's about three minutes long. Jeff is going to roll the video. And just let the Lord speak to you through this very challenging message. Our dreams are tawdry, showy, but cheap and of poor quality when they are compared to the leading of God. They are not worthy of the aura of wonder we usually surround them with. God only doeth wonders. His hand can work nothing less. In my own experience, I have found that the most extravagant dreams of boyhood have not surpassed the great experience of being in God's will. I believe that nothing could be better his will is always a bigger thing than we bargained for, but we must believe that whatever it involves, it is good, acceptable, and perfect. Father, let me loose my clutch on everything temporal, my life, my possessions. Lord, help me release the tension of my grasping hand. Open it 
as Christ's was opened to receive the nail of Calvary, that I might be unleashed from all that binds me. God, saturate me with the oil of the Spirit, that I may be aflame. I seek not a long life, but a full one like you, Lord Jesus. Surely those who know the great compassionate heart of God must deny their own loves to share in the expression of His. Compelled by His call from the throne above, from those round about, and even from the damned souls below, I dare not stay home while others perish. It makes me boil when I think of the power we profess and the utter impotency of our action. We are spiritual pacifists in this battle to the death with principalities and powers in high places. American believers have sold their lives to the service of mammon, and the tombs themselves are not colder than our well-fed churches. Their condemnation is written in the dust on their Bible covers. We are content to sit by and leave the enemies of God unchallenged. Young men are going into professional fields because they don't feel called. We don't need a call. We need a kick in the pants. We need a stirring. May God send us forth because he is no fool who gives what he cannot keep to gain that which he cannot lose. I pray that the Lord will give you a hallowed daredevil spirit in lifting the sword of truth, consuming you with a passion that is called by the cultured citizen of Christendom fanaticism, but known to God as that saintly madness that led his son through bloody sweat and hot tears to glory. How long dare we go on without passion and love? Not long, I pray, Lord Jesus, not long. It's a big ask. Was that, was that a big ask? Did that strike you like, woo, woo? Dude, you had too much caffeine. So all of those words that the dramatic reading, uh, it was a part of his journal entry, right? I felt something in my chest. Anybody sense anything in their being? As they listen to that, Peter's shaking his head. I'll, I'll just look at shakes. A few shakes, a few shakes. Uh, you know what it reminded me of? Uh, I hate even switching gears to turn off what the Lord is doing, but uh, the stadium at Paul Brown Stadium yesterday, the energy, fanatics. Who's most people are fanatics. They're crazy. Especially if you're probably not a sports fan, you think those dudes are crazy. <clears throat> now what Jim Elliott is saying is, if we're going to really be serious, at some point, our life for Jesus should look fanatical. Now you may be saying, oh, what did I say the average weight was 390 pounds? You may feel like 
Spiritually, you're at 390 pounds. It's like, oh, Lord, where do I start? Now, I can't, I can't get on a plane and go to the Aoka Indians. It, it, no, no. 1%. What is your 1%? I don't know what it is, but I know two things. Slide number 11. Take a step. Do something in response to what God is saying. Not something for the sake of something, but that small invitation in your mind. Something came to your mind, Lord, we can do this. And then secondly, don't go alone. Don't go alone. The biggest losers had lots of help. I'm sure they did. We, we saw like the two stars, the guy and the gal on camera that were their helpers. I bet they had lots of helpers. They had a support system. So I'm the director of discipleship, which means my job is to create a support system for you. If you feel alone, you don't know online folks in, in the house, people, I don't know. I, the Lord spoke to me. I know something, I don't know what to do. I need a support system, will you help? I can help, I can't do it all, but I can help. I know what's happening to provide the support you need. So those online, those here, um, should put like a email up there or something, but you can figure out how to find me. Do something, don't go alone. And one final verse, it's 1030, one final verse uh, before I pray, um, comes from Hebrews chapter 12, verse 2. This, is, this came to me as I was driving here this morning. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter, the author and perfecter of our of your faith is Jesus' job. We got to cooperate, but it's Jesus' job. Here's the point, though, that why I thought of this verse. Who for the joy set before him, the life that's truly life, endured the cross, the painful part. Something hard you need to lose but the joy set before you. I'm sure that's what drove the biggest losers on the show. It's like, ah, to be healthy again. To not have to go to the doctor all the time and to do whatever, I don't know, you know, you know the deal. Let me pray for you and then uh, if I could pray for you, come up, we'll be done after I pray. Lord, thank you for, um, thank you for the big ask. You know, Lord, if it was little, we would just kind of yawn, like, wow, is that all you got, God? Like, that's, you just want me to do this? Just do that? That's, that's what it's all about? No. Father, our hearts, uh, Jim Elliott's heart was inspired at the big, bigness, if that's a word, how big your ask is. Lord, inspire us today, but not overwhelm us. Help us to know there is a next step. Lord, we love you. Bless us, Lord.
for lots of little steps happening uh, in this group today. In Jesus' name, amen. Be blessed. If you need anything, come forward. Online people, you can find me somehow. Bless you. Have a great day.